Welcome to another episode of Politically Entertaining. I'm Frank here with Byron. And Byron, I don't even know where to start. We're in week one of the new regime of Donald Trump and everything, and it's just it's just crazy. Obviously, there's a lot of stuff to get to, but before we get into all that stuff, let the listeners know what we do on here on Politically Entertaining. Uh, first off, we want everybody to uh, well, thank you for coming back. Follow us on Twitter at The Vocal Minority. Also, like our Facebook page, Politically Entertaining. It was a Trump-dominated week. We'll certainly get into that. Uh, but there was a, a specific uh, three-part series that dominated uh, social media that had a lot of people watching it. The New Edition uh, story. I'm not sure if you watched it, Frank, but I know a lot of people did. Um, first off, I just want to say it was, I mean, BET did a great job. It was much better than that Aaliyah movie that came out, I think, one or two years ago on Lifetime. That was awful. Uh, I learned some stuff because I didn't grow up. I didn't, I wasn't following New Edition like that. I wasn't really into music as a kid. I didn't know that, uh, Bell Bill DeVoe came from them. I didn't know Johnny Gill joined them. And I, I just, what I found interesting was that how, that, that was pretty much a super group. If you look at how within that group you had so so many successful careers, uh, solo careers where you had Bobby Brown. I mentioned Bill Bill DeVoe, who also discovered Boys to Men. Uh, you had uh, Ralph Tresvent in the group as well. So I think the compare you you you're hard pressed to find a rap group like that that has a similar success. I think Wu Tang Clan may come to mind with you know Raekwon. Method Man, maybe even the Hot Boys with Lil Wayne and Juvenile, but that's rare in rap. Usually when it's a group, only the lead person is successful. You look at Eminem's D12, uh, Nelly's, uh, I think it was the Saint Lunatics. So that that was rare. I found that interesting. And my question for you is, uh, did you see it? And if you did, what what story would you like to see next? Because I saw a lot of people saying they would love to see Jodeci as the next movie to uh, be made like that. Wow, yeah, I mean, so I did see it. My, my wife is a big New Edition fan. My sisters were big New Edition fans growing up, so I, I didn't follow New Edition. Uh, kind of like you said, I didn't follow New Edition, but I knew, uh, you know, of the moving parts. I knew about Bell, Bell Biv DeVoe. I knew about Johnny Gill, how they, you know, were in the group and formed their own group, different things like that. Uh, I agree that it was super. the group was super talented. I think the thing that stood out to me was how cutthroat the music industry is and, and how, you know, even though they're very talented, they missed out on a lot of money. And, you know, thank God for them. They had Michael Bivens, who was actually on his on his, you know, game to figure out, you know, how they were you know getting played. And he eventually got them at least square, you know, as far as their money goes. But that, that's a really, really frightening part of the entertainment business. you got these young artists who come in there making all this great music all this great records and they never may see any real uh money from it now obviously their situation is a little different uh but like i said just a, it was great you know because i think one of the things we we talked about if you ever listen to this show listen to this uh, episode or any episode listen go to itunes uh check out the episode with claiborne carson he says something at the end of his interview that's even worth listening to the whole whole interview just to hear this part he says history um you know basically somebody's version of a story is their history it's not the whole story but i think you got a great portion of the story listening or watching uh new edition because so many of the people were involved because you know brooke Payne was involved the choreographer um really kept brought the group together um and you know my, and michael bivens and all those guys were involved in the story so you get a very you know complete 
feel for what the experience was like going growing up for them coming from the projects in Boston all the way to the height of fame. It was just a great story um, and certainly was well told. As far as other uh, groups I'd like to see, I mean, I think Jodeci is going to be certainly, um, you know, I, I'd say that, that would be at the top of one of my lists. Uh, I don't know if I had anybody else offhand that I really followed. I'm trying to think of somebody I followed growing up that um, I would like to see their story. Uh, you know, honestly, who knows? I mean, I don't know. I mean, I kind of feel like it's tough to do those things. And, and so I, I kind of like them few and far between. So the next one that comes, this hope, I just hope that the input comes from multiple people so you get a complete story. That's Yeah, that's a great point. I do remember Claiborne Carson saying that. Um, I guess if I had to pick a hip-hop group that I would like to see, the whole Rockefeller record thing with Jay-Z and, and Dame dashing that dynamic, I, I would love to see that uh, in a straight-out-of-Compton type story or how they did this. I think that would be interesting. So Jodeci and Rock Nation, if anybody's listening, those should be your next two. Uh, with that, let's get into some politics. Listening to Politically Entertaining, your Cliff's Notes to American Politics. And now your host, Frank and Byron. Welcome back, everybody. Thank you for joining us. Started last week off, uh, first episode of the new season with Tim Wise. I hope you enjoyed that interview. Uh, If you haven't, please go check that out. Uh, Before we get into topics, because we're going to be talking a lot about Trump today and a whole lot about the different protests that took over took took place across the uh, country. I uh, got some news you can use or lose. Uh, Usain Bolt lost one of his medals due to one of his teammates uh, failing a, a test. Uh, some of Trump's cabinet members got confirmed. We have a Secretary of Defense, James Mattis. We have uh, a CIA director, Pompeo, a UN ambassador, former Governor Nikki Haley, and we also have our Secretary of Homeland Security. John Kelly. There's also a Secret Service agent that is now suspended. She went on social media saying she would rather go to jail than protect Trump. We lost Mary Tyler Moore last week. And something, Frank, I know you know a little about. uh, The Dow finished at a record high of 20,000. So we will no doubt discuss that with Orazio Macarella or Sam Bogan in one of the future episodes to see what kind of effect that may have throughout this year. Before we get to Trump, Frank, I wanted to, uh, you know, see if you saw what happened just 24 hours after the inauguration, the Million Women's March. I actually went to the one in D.C. and I had no idea of the turnout that it was going to be. First off, I didn't know it was going to be all over the country. And second, you know, I had heard that they were expecting about 200,000. And if you live anywhere in D.C., protests, rallies, marches. They're pretty much every week in the city, and they always have a number like 200,000 are supposed to show up. And then in reality, about 200 show up. That's what normally happens. So when I saw the 200,000 were supposed to show up, I was like, okay, maybe a good 2,000 may show up. Man, 
in my eyes from what I saw, because I went to both the inauguration and this march, there were more people at this march. It was overwhelming on the turnout. And then when you turn on your TVs and you saw it happen everywhere from Los Angeles to Boston, New York, Denver, the turnout was great. I had a hard time kind of figuring out what the agenda was because some were saying that it was an anti-Trump march. Others were saying it was just, you know, women's rights. So you got a whole lot of different uh, messages from from the march. Did you see the march, Frank? Did you see any of the protests? Were you able to get a grasp of what the uh, the agenda was or was it more than one uh, purpose for them marching? Uh, last week, the day, literally the day after the inauguration. I mean, I think it was mostly a women's march, but it was really somewhat of an anti-Trump march, which happened to be based around women, uh, so to speak, because he certainly has had a very polarizing um, history with his comments and different things with, with women. So I think the, the longstanding effects of the march will it'll be it'll be difficult to say what they are right now. I think in the short term, it showed that he there's huge opposition against Trump. He's hugely unpopular among you know certain people, and the country's very divided. Now, what came out of it to me is there was definitely some dialogue where people are not going to tolerate this kind of, you know, obviously we saw a lot of things, a campaign trail, a lot of, you know, locker room talk, whatever it is, you know, people aren't, people aren't going to tolerate that. And I think that that was that was very positive that people spoke out were speak, speaking out speaking out against that. Obviously, um, the unity was was a positive thing. You'd like um, all injustices to to receive the same attention, but we all know that doesn't happen. But certainly, uh, you see that when you threaten certain groups or certain groups feel threatened, they will rise up. So I think that there that there will be something to come of that. I don't know exactly what's going to happen. The thing I'd like to see is who is going to be the head of this. What is what is it was a march. It was great. A lot of people came out, but who is leading? This march, who is the figurehead? Because you have to have, to me, a person who's kind of in charge of this type of thing to lead this movement. Because if you look at the Occupy Wall Street a, a few years back, I mean, I don't know if that was what, four years back, three or four years back, it was kind of like a bunch of people out there just kind of, you know, and it, it, I never felt like a leader emerged and a true message never came out. So it was like, yeah, we have this protest against Wall Street, but we don't know what we want or why we're doing it. So I'd like to see maybe a dialogue formed of hey okay you're protesting against a new president which is definitely your right but what are you expecting to gain what is your you know what has he done say in his first week which i'm sure we'll get to that you feel like is definitely an assault on you know rights for women and stuff like that so that's what i'd like to see uh going forward but it certainly shows that you know people definitely had opposition and they definitely showed up in mass so we'll see what happens one of my favorite signs from the march, I can't re- remember it word for word, but it pretty much said, you know, you you nice white women are going to come to the next Black Lives Matter march, right? So I, I thought that was funny. Uh, there was another one that uh, also caught my attention. But again, I was very, very, you know, happy to see the turnout. And if you're a Democrat, you have to hope that this energy, this movement uh, continues on because Especially if you look at in two years, we'll have a midterm election and it's going to be difficult for Democrats to take the Senate back because I believe my numbers are correct. There are 24 seats up for grabs on the Democratic side, only 10 for the Republicans. So not only will they need to maintain all 24 of their seats, they're going to need to get at least, I think, three or four of those 10 seats from the Republican, which is going to be really difficult 
you rarely see a flip like that in the Senate. So Democrats have their work cut out for them. And this is the type of energy that they're going to need in order to make something like that happen. But again, it was very impressive to see. Frank, your president, Trump, Donald J. Trump, man, this dude, first off, where do I start? Your president. <laughs> uh, OK, our president, so to speak. Uh, no, no, for real. Seriously, our president. Uh, there's two lawsuits against him already. One by two Iraqis that he detained at, well, not him personally, but they were detained due to one of his executive orders at JFK Airport today. They've, they filed a lawsuit against him, as well as Citizens for Responsibility and Ethics. They are, they've also filed a lawsuit against him for the uh, Emoluments Clause, which basically says that no government official can receive payments from foreign governments. And they cited that his hotel and some of his other businesses have received payments from foreign governments. So this guy in one week, well, actually, the the, uh, the emoluments clause was filed before he actually was sworn in as president. But essentially, his first week, he's already <laughs> he already has two lawsuits against him. Uh, I mentioned executive orders. He signed over 20 already first week, over 20 executive orders already at the Republicans cried and moaned about Obama signing executive orders when here's the reality, folks. Obama signed 217 executive orders during his two terms. That's the least amount of any two term president since Ulysses S. Grant, uh, which he left office in 1877. The precious Reagan signed more. Hell, uh, FDR signed over 3,500 of them, but they were crying about Obama. And this guy has already in one week signed over 20. One of them, the Keystone XL pipeline, uh, he's uh, signed on to have that done. He removed us from TPP, which is an empty executive order. Folks, TPP was never going to pass in the first place. If, if you remember, Bernie Sanders was against it. Hillary Clinton wound up being against it. So it wasn't going to pass the Senate, which is why McConnell never brought it to the floor. So that was just kind of like, I mean, yeah, he did it, but that was more that was more symbolic to me. And also he had a federal government hiring freeze. So he's, you know, running wild with his executive orders. Also, he's still arguing about this crowd size at his inauguration. You can take my word for it, folks. I was there. It wasn't as big as previous inaugurations. But to me, I kind of blame the media in this fight, Frank, because for one thing, why are you bothering making an issue about this? I mean, people that were watching the inauguration, they know how Ob- how Obama's inauguration looked versus his crowd. They can decide for themselves. You know how he is. They brought it up. They mentioned it. They made a point to mention it. And now because he's delusional, as he has shown time and time again, he's swearing up and down that his crowd was larger in the, in the history of all time when it really wasn't. But my question is, is he... Is that just the competitive nature of him or is he just that petty or could it be both? What did you think about the crowd size, executive orders or anything that he did? Because he had a very, very busy week. Yes, he had a very busy week. You can say that again. Um, What I think about the crowd side is I think it's two things. I think he's petty. Certainly we've seen that on Twitter, though. He He is king petty. But I would say that another thing that bothers him and will bother him until he 
leaves the office or leaves the earth, you know, one way or another, is that he doesn't, he'll never, he, he, he made his bones getting in office, basically picking on President Obama, pr- picking on his citizenship, picking on his policies, things like that. But the one thing President Obama was, he was very popular. And I think that Donald Trump is going to be in the shadow of that popularity, regardless of what he does. And it's going to eat at him. It's, it really bothers him that he is not as popular. He's, he's, he doesn't know why people didn't show up in mass for his inauguration. Uh, but so to me, that's part of it. Now, as far as executive order, I think is, you know, the, the TPP thing is just like you said, symbolic. I think the, the, the ban on, on Muslims and refugees, uh, coming in is a very dangerous, uh, precedent, uh, because, you know, obviously there's a lot of people who have green cards, legit, you're talking about legitimate people who are overseas now that cannot come back from certain countries. I think that's a very dangerous precedent again, because it's Muslims today and maybe a lot of people feel like that's okay, but it could be another group tomorrow. And while a lot of people identify as Christians or how would you say, Donald Trump is not a Christian. There's nothing to me that would uh, prevent him from doing the same thing to any group. So, I mean, just in my opinion, I think that there's there's definitely some overreach going on with some of his executive orders is causing uproar. I know there were some people detained. Uh, I feel like I, I think it was a JFK. A few protesting there. Um, they, you know, some some people have been. Um, I think some Iraqi. Uh, they weren't. They're 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 U.S. green card holders. They have U.S. visas, but they were detained coming back, and it's a big mess. I mean, it's just a uh, unnecessary big mess, especially when. You know, let's just be honest. You know, I'm an African American man. You're an African American man, black man, whatever you want to call it. I'm more concerned about the Dylan Roofs and the crooked cops of the world than I am about radical Islam. And I'm not saying that radical Islam isn't something to be concerned about, but they act like this executive order is going to keep the country safe from harm when we know that radicalization can happen right in your own, you know, right in your own, you know, room or office or wherever, wherever you're on the computer. So I don't think that is something that by locking the borders down, you're going to prevent something from happening. In fact, you almost incite maybe some people that are here to, to try to prove that, you know, something is going to happen. So it just inflames, uh, you know, things. And, and then, of course, Iran uh, clapped back, so to speak, with saying they're banning U.S. people from coming in. And, you know, obviously some people are going to say, oh, who wants to go to Iran? But still, that's still a big deal because you don't know what people, you know, people might be doing stuff in Iran. You know, you don't know the people have a very myopic view of the world. They're like, well, I never go to Iran, so I don't care. Um, I think one thing to be very concerned about is this America first agenda that, uh, you know, President Trump said many times at, at his rally or not rally, his inauguration, which felt like a rally because it was like, did you win or are you still making campaign promises? But I think Every great empire before they fell became very isolated. You go back, you look at the Chinese, you look at the Roman Empire, great empires, great nations, but then they at some point became isolated. They decided to, you know, that they were technologically and socially superior to everybody else and they cut themselves off from relationships and, and that caused a downfall. So I am concerned with the, could this be the beginning of that? It very well could be. So. It's it's just a it's it's a crazy week, a lot to get through. I think there's a lot, there's a lot of noise in the media, but certainly this is not. If this is the first week, it doesn't bode well for four more years. <laughs> it, it it really doesn't, man. Look, there is no evidence whatsoever of uh, mass voter fraud, and because he lost that popular vote. See, this is why someone like dangerous. I felt <laughs> this is why someone like Trump. I'm sorry. 
that I felt was would be dangerous because he's taking something that's personal and now he's going to cost the taxpayers money if he goes forward with, you know, launching this investigation into voter fraud, which, you know, ironically, uh, what is it? Two of his daughters and his uh, uh, chief of staff, not a chief of staff, but Steve Brandon, they are the ones that are registered in two different states to uh, vote. But he's going. He he said that it's it's more than three million voter fraud cases. I mean, there's no evidence other than the fact that he lost by nearly three million, and he feels like that's the only reason that he lost. Keep in mind, when he first lost the popular vote, he said he only lost it because he didn't campaign in California and New York. Well, that argument didn't work, so now he's saying, okay, it must have been voter fraud. And like Frank said, you know, he he's just that petty. And the fact that he's not popular, he didn't win the popular vote, it's, it's eating away at him, at him. There's no way he should still be on this. And he's going to take personal things like that and cost you and I money trying to find something that it, that isn't even there. But we'll see how he proceeds. Frank and I wanted to give you wanted to make this episode somewhat short compared to some of the other ones. So uh, we definitely wanted to talk about Trump. And speaking of Trump and his supporters, this last story I wanted to discuss, Frank, uh, the headline read Trump supporter leaves black waitress four hundred and fifty dollar tip and note. Now, I don't know if you had time to read this article, man, but I think I'm going to go a different direction that some may think, because I think when people hear that, they hear a feel good, warm, you know, all type of story. And I just see it somewhat uh, different. So a dentist from Texas by the name of Jason White, he's a white male. I think he is 37 years old or 47, one of them. He goes to Busboys and Poets. Any of you that are familiar with D.C., that's a popular spot, popular restaurant up here. Uh, And the waitress by the name of Rosalind Harris, uh, she's a young black female waitress, 25 years old. So he uh, decided to leave her this $450 tip. And I want to read you this note that he left for her word for word. It said, he wrote on the receipt, we may come from different cultures and may disagree on certain issues, but if everyone would share their smile and kindness, like your beautiful smile, our country will come together as one people, Uh, not race, not gender, just American. God bless. Sounds like a great note on the surface. And uh, when he was interviewed, he went on to say that we have to think about being better Americans. We have to look into ourselves and how we treat one another. Two things, Frank, and I want to get your um, response on any of this. First off, dude, you voted for Trump. And you're going to sit here and say we have to think about being better Americans and, and look into ourselves and how we treat one another. Did you not see how this man treated people for the year and a half that he campaigned and you push that all aside? So it's OK for your leader to behave a certain way, but everyone else needs to do the opposite. And also with the note that he wrote on her receipt, I mean, he called me a pessimist, but I just tend to think that it's going to take more than beautiful smiles to cure the racial divide, the social divide, the economical financial divide that we have in this country. It's going to take a lot more than that. I would think that it would take to fight institutional racism, fight redlining of African-American neighborhoods, fight, 
you know, us being prejudged as thugs because we may want to wear a hoodie somewhere. So and I'm going to post this receipt on our Instagram. We have an Instagram politically entertained to check that out. I'll post the receipt for you all to see. Uh, but, you know, if you were able to read this story, man, I just want to get your thoughts. I realize that my point of view on it may be somewhat in the minority. Uh, maybe you thought it was a feel good story. So what did Frank think about this $450 tip that uh, James White left, which, by the way, it was $450 in tribute to Donald Trump being the 45th president. That's why he left 450 So what were your thoughts on uh, this tip and note that he left? couple things one you said he was a dentist and i did read the story and i and i am and i just wanted to reconfirm thing i think he, he is 37 i think he's a dentist but i'm like man dentist got like that leaving a 450 dollar tip i mean regardless of who you voted for and that kind of thing that's just that's just he didn't leave a 45 dollar tip in honor of the 45th president he left a you know so that's that's <laughs> i was i mean in my opinion was he trying to get at this lady in some way um, now, obviously, Th- that was my thought too. Um, like, he complimented and smiled because and I mean, you know, hey, I'm 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 done. I'm not gonna say anything because this is a family show, <laughs> and I'm married, so I don't even know. I you know, four hundred fifty dollars. Trying to get okay. that brown sugar. So yes, so going going back to the original point of the story, uh, you know, I took I took it. I'm not as pessimistic as you but that's good because i think um you know we shouldn't all have the same viewpoint but you know it wasn't it doesn't like you said it doesn't erase what trump has done now what i will say is it doesn't mean that this guy is an a-hole like trump is that i mean that is true but it doesn't erase like you said the fact that he voted for trump and i think that one thing that the article mentioned very interesting says he was a devout christian now I find that very interesting. Like, how do you know who's a devout Christian? Like, what is the barometer? I consider myself to be a devout Christian in certain in certain respects, and so I'm not certainly not perfect. And you know, I voted for Hillary Clinton. So, what does that mean? Doesn't mean anything. I, I think one of the things that the the right conservative right has has mistaken, and as far as God's church, now I'm gonna take this a little bit religious for a second. Is I don't believe that when God said go out and spread the gospel he didn't mean go out and try to pass laws that you know will entrap one group or discriminate against one group because of what the Bible says or because of what you think you believe about your faith you know you're supposed to be an example and you're supposed to make sure that the congregation the people that you lead in your church see you and, and, and so that that's how you're supposed to be the example you're not supposed to try to you know, worry about the rest of the world and everything it does. I think that um, the I think the church's biggest failing is not mentoring its congregation into living the life of Christ and trying to pass laws that make other people who may or may not be interested in following Christ. They don't care about, you know, um, your feelings on abortion or on a same sex marriage. Those things are laws of the land. And America was founded on freedom of religion anyway. So there's separation of church and state. So there's to me just a lot wrong with the article as far as saying he's a devout Christian. He voted for Trump. And so he, he thinks that some of the things he doesn't think without speaking. I mean, I say things without thinking without speaking, you know, and I'm, you know, certainly not in a position of any kind of power. My wife gets on me. She's like, you shouldn't say that kind of stuff. And so as a president, you have to be held to a higher standard. Uh, of of you know behavior it can't just be well he says things off the cuff and let's just face it it's not even as if Trump is any let's just be 
super real. If Trump was anything other than a rich white man, he wouldn't have even gotten close to the office of presidency because he has no qualifications. He's not good at anything, really. Like, what is he really good at? He's not he's not good at marriage. He's on his third one. He's not good at businesses. He has about, you know, at least four bankruptcies. He's not a good person morally. He's not a nice guy. Like, so what exactly does he do? I think that, you know, one of the reasons, like, you know, going back to what Van Jones said, it's like he got elected to to uh, ex- explicitly restore white privilege and to also make people feel that the government should be run like a business. There are people that really want to see the safety net of America, you know, some of these social programs cut away because they feel like if they cut those things away that things will be better. But I tell you that things will be worse because what people don't understand is if you cut the safety net away from the from the lowest people in society, then they're 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 gonna they're not gonna just gonna die. They're gonna come and come and get you know what you have, and you know then you're gonna be locked in a little gated community like you're in 28 days later with people you know you know wanting to get everything you have. So there's no way to live. You know I think that we need to have more compassion, and so. I understand his message, and it certainly has merit to we need to come together. But Donald Trump is not the deliverer of that message. He is not the mouthpiece for that message. So, it, like I said, it it, may, it proves one thing. It just proves that everybody who voted for Trump is not necessarily and, and you know a complete you know a hole. But it does not excuse Trump being in the White House, and it does not excuse the things he's been doing in the last couple of weeks or in the last week, excuse me, since he's been the president. So. To me, it's it's an okay story, and certainly it's something that, as Americans, we certainly have to make sure that you know we are evaluating people individually. And and like you said, she she the, the waitress did mention that she saw that red hat, and I think that you know you have certain feelings about people who wear that hat, and I don't I don't think there's anything wrong with that, and you know until they prove otherwise. And so this guy may be a little bit different, but at the same time, there's a lot of issues going on in this country, and. A $450 tip and a nice note isn't going to fix everything that's going on, like you said. So I do agree there. So, you know, let's just see what happens. But like you said, it was a, it was a, it was a good story. It wasn't the greatest story. It's, it's not the story. It's, it's not put it like this. Next week or by the end of tomorrow, that story is going to be forgotten by some other tomfoolery that's happened. So it's not that good a story. You know, it's not going to last, you know, for it's, it's like something you read. And you're like, oh, that's nice. But nothing more than that. You did mention uh, Christianity and religion. And, uh, you know, she said that this was a big help for her and it was a blessing. She's getting ready to move into a new apartment and she needed a whole bunch of upfront money. And she was wondering how she was going to get it. She actually picked up extra hours at this restaurant uh, in addition to another job that she has. So this uh, can definitely be seen as a blessing. Actually, let me jump in. One thing I did forget because I'm so sometimes I get off off on my own tangent from my own thought is that one thing is that will say and I did not knock the church a little bit. But one thing I'll say about God, because you can never knock God, is he can work through whoever he wants. And I think that is what you should take from this. And I'm sorry I didn't get to that. I'm sorry. Maybe maybe I'll just edit out and just say this one part (laughs) so it makes (laughs) me sound better. But seriously, he can work through whoever he wants. It doesn't mean anything. You know, it doesn't mean anything what this guy did. But the point is, this woman needed a a, a blessing and he brought yes. it through the most unlikely person. And I think many times in the Bible, things happen like that. Um, and I think that's the whole point of what God is. So if you put God above it, everything, then you can look at this story differently. But I think just relying on humanity to come together, you're, you're pretty much right on par with it. But I think that what God has that that shows that He's in control 
you know, from a standpoint. I know some people have been dissing. There's been some memes where they say, oh, God's in control. And people say, no, you know, whatever. They, they, they say that's just lip service. But that's that's proof positive that a blessing this woman needed came from the most unlikely source. So I think that that's the thing to take away from this. And I am so sorry to our listeners. I didn't get to that first. and I'm, But I'm glad that I, I spelled that out eventually. Yeah. I, I had your back too. I was going to mention when you said that he's not necessarily an a-hole. I was going to say, you know, even if he was, you know, God can use, you know, whoever he chooses to uh, uh, send a blessing to. But, good, you know, good for her. And, uh, you know, like you say, we'll see what happens. And again, I want to remind you, I'm going to post that receipt on um, our Instagram, Politically Entertaining. So check that out. And uh, just want to thank you guys for joining us for another episode. I'm going to let Frank give you the final word. Again, thanks, everybody, for listening. We, we couldn't do the show without you. Listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, Google Play. Uh, check out our interviews on YouTube. We'll have the Tim Wise one up uh, shortly. So, again, just thank you for your support. Uh, we're in, like I said, second season of Politically Entertaining, and we're just trying to make sure you know what's going on in the world and how you should deal with it. Uh, you know, again, just just be ready. The midterms are going to be here before you know it, and so we just want to encourage you to get active and know what's going on in your community so that you can make an informed vote because times, you know, it's it's a been it's been a long week, but you know, time's gonna move on and we gotta be ready uh to make our move uh you know in the future. So again, thank you everybody for listening. We'll see you guys soon on another episode of Politically Entertaining. Thank you for listening to Politically Entertaining. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast via iTunes and visit politicallyentertaining.com for the latest in political news and updates. Thank you.